Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, as we find it recorded in the Old Testament, reading there in the book of Isaiah, the seventh chapter, the fourteenth verse. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. This is a beautiful winter Sunday morning, isn't it? And I hope that all of us are glad that we are here in God's house, and I do hope that all of you feel that you are at home and that you are among friends. As you know, today is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Our calendar shows us that there are four Sundays in the Advent season, the four Sundays preceding Christmas. The word Advent means the coming, and it refers to Jesus as the coming one. And the idea of the Advent season in the Christian church is simply this. We are to use it to prepare ourselves for Christmas, to get ready to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. And as you know, this is the way we have been doing it from one Sunday to another in the Advent season. We have been turning to the Word of God. We've been asking the question of someone who has written by inspiration, what child is this? Who is this child whose birthday we are going to celebrate very shortly? And you recall on the first Sunday in Advent, we looked to the writer of the book of Hebrews and we asked him, what child is this? You remember his answer was, why this child is no less than the high priest over the house of God. He's worthy of your loyalty and of your allegiance. And then came the second Sunday as we were getting ourselves ready for Christmas. And we went to Simon Peter, the rock, and we said, Simon Peter, what child is this? And you recall his answer. Simon Peter said, why this child is no less than the king of an everlasting, of an eternal kingdom, worthy of your love and of your loyalty. And then last Sunday when we came to God's house on the third Sunday in Advent, we went back to the Old Testament 1,500 years before that birthday in Bethlehem, and we asked Moses of old, and we said, Moses, what child is this? And you recall the answer of Moses, he is a prophet like me. He's a prophet like I am, the great mediator between God and man, worthy of our love and of our admiration. And today we're going back to the Old Testament again. And we're going to ask somebody who lived just about halfway between Moses and between this birthday in Bethlehem. Moses lived about 1,500 years before Bethlehem. This man, Isaiah the prophet, lived about 750 years before Bethlehem, just about halfway. He is known as the evangelical prophet of the Old Testament. That is the good news prophet. This man, Isaiah, is quoted more in the New Testament than any other Old Testament prophet. And we go to Isaiah and we say, Isaiah, what child is this? And he foretold something and he says, don't you know what child this is whose birthday you're getting ready to celebrate? And he says, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah says to you and me this morning as we're getting ready for Christmas, oh, we're right on the threshold, aren't we? The fourth Sunday in Advent, he is saying, well, this child is no less than Emmanuel. You and I may say, but what does that mean, Isaiah? And coming down seven centuries later, you recall that Matthew, in his gospel, in the first chapter, he quotes this prophecy, and he tells us what it means. He says, what's being interpreted is God with us. We look at that word, Emmanuel. It is a word made up of two words, E-M-A-N-U-E-M-A-N-U. You may spell it with an I. You may spell it with two M's also. 
Emmanuel means with us. And the E-L on the end, you can hyphenate it. That E-L, L is a shortened form of Elohim, which means God. Therefore, the name Emmanuel means God with us as a son. In other words, Isaiah says, do you wonder who this child is? Why, this child is no less than God himself with us in human form as a human being. He is both God and man. Not only just God, but he's also man. He is man as well as God. He's worthy of your allegiance. He's worthy of your fidelity. He's worthy of your loyalty. And you and I, as we stand just ready to reach out for Christmas, we say, but I say, listen, just because this child is no less than Emmanuel, he is God with us in human form. He is God with us as a man, as a human being. He is both God and man. Does that mean that he's worthy of my life? that he's worthy of my commitment, that he's worthy of my fidelity and of my loyalty. We may say this morning again as we can say, what's he as God and man ever done for me? What is he ever, what am I going to get out of it if I surrender to him? What is he doing for me now? What will he do yeah, for I me know. in the future? I know what you're Why saying. should I give him my commitment? Why should I give him my fidelity and my loyalty? Just because, Isaiah, you say that he's no less than Emmanuel. He is both God and man. He is not only God but man. He is man as well as God all right. What has he ever done? And Isaiah would remind you and me this morning that this Emmanuel, who is both God and man, God with us in human form, oh, manifested in the flesh, he has gone all out for you and me. He has thought of everything. He has forgotten nothing as our Emmanuel, as both God and man. And as we look at him, we can defy ourselves and say, name one thing that he has forgotten to do for you and me as our Emmanuel, as God and as man. For in the first place, Isaiah would remind you and me of this, that this child is no less than Emmanuel. He is no less than God with us in human form, no less than God and also man. He is not only God and man who came into this world to become man, a human being, in order to die for us. But you and I may stand there and we may say, do you mean to say, Isaiah, that this child is not only God, but also man, that he's both God and man? And we may say, how can that be? And you see, this is the mystery of Christmas, and a lot of individuals don't understand. God and man, this baby, God, Emmanuel, Elohim, Emmanuel, God with us in human form. Oh, how can that be? But you see, you don't understand Christmas until you know that he is Emmanuel. Bear in mind, our God is one God, isn't he? And yet three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. From eternity, all three of them equal in essence, and listen, from eternity without a beginning, God the Father, God the Son, equal in essence with the Father, and the Holy Spirit, all of them spirits, not one of them a human being. How God the Son from eternity is the Son of the Father, we don't know. We know that he's only begotten. He was not created. We know that he was equal in essence. But this Son of God from eternity was always a spirit. And then in the counsels of God, this Son of God, a spirit, decides to come into this world and to take to himself something that he had never done before, to take unto himself a human body and a human soul to become a human being like you are and like I am. 
And that's what happened on Christmas. And Isaiah says, a virgin's going to have a child. And again, this virgin, Isaiah doesn't name her, but we know it was Mary. The Holy Ghost caused her to conceive, and she was going to be the mother and became the mother of a human being, a child with a body and a soul. And the Son of God at Christmas, this is what we call the incarnation, came in the flesh. In a mysterious way, he united himself with this human being, born of the Virgin Mary, and the Son of God became what he had never been in eternity, a human being in addition to being deity. And you and I may say, is that the meaning of Christmas? Emmanuel, yes. God becoming flesh for us, as John said, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You and I may say, well, just because God the Son became a united individual with a human being and entered into that union, what does that mean to me? We need only to ask, why did he become man? Why did he become Emmanuel, he who was God from eternity? The Son became a human being so that he might die for you and me. You see, you can't kneel a spiritual cross. And therefore he had to become part of you and me, a human being, with a human body and a human soul, that again he might be our substitute and on the cross of Calvary he might bear the guilt and the punishment of our sins. And so he became man so that on the cross he came to die, don't you understand? This Emmanuel came to die that in that death on the cross he could pay our bill and bear the equal of an eternity in hell for you and me. That is why he became Emmanuel. He went all out. And therefore he's worthy of our love and of our loyalty as we're getting ready to celebrate his birthday because he as Emmanuel, he as both God and man, he has brought forgiveness, deliverance from hell, and the gift of eternal life for the entire human race. I challenge you, you tell me something that he has left out. He, this Emmanuel, this babe of Bethlehem, he, Emmanuel, not only man but God, and not only God but man both, he came to bring the greatest blessings that heaven can bring, that you and I might be freed from the guilt and the punishment of our sins, and that we might have eternal life in him. That's who he is. No wonder Isaiah says, again, his name shall be called Emmanuel. He is both God and man. He is not only man, but he's God as well. He's both. And as we're getting ready again, we're standing here on the fourth Sunday in Advent, we ought to say to ourselves, I must believe, therefore, that this child, as Isaiah has said of him, he's no less than Emmanuel. He's God with us in human form. Both God and man. And when you and I believe that, we ought to determine then this morning that we're going to hold fast to the truth of his deity and we ought to hold fast to the truth of his humanity born of the Virgin Mary. Oh, you and I know today there are those who are denying his deity. How could he be God this day? But he was very God, a very God. He was Emmanuel Elohim. Isaiah, seven centuries before, said, this child is going to be God in human form. You and I, by the miracles that he performed, he even raised the dead and raised himself. We know that he was God, but he was also man born of the Virgin Mary. Oh, how today men laugh at the virgin birth. Men say, do you mean to say that you are so credulous that you believe that a virgin can have a child without having cohabited with a human being? And you and I say, no, we believe that no child, woman, no virgin can have a child unless she has cohabited except there was one exception. And that exception was on that night in Bethlehem when Mary the virgin, she gave birth to this child. 
without cohabiting with a male because the Holy Ghost had come upon her. The Holy Ghost had placed the seed of life in her and this virgin birth was so necessary. You see, those that like to deny it fail to say what was so necessary about it. Listen, this was God's way of bringing a child into the world without the contamination and the taint of original sin. Mary was chosen to be the mother of Jesus, but she was a sinner like you are and like I am. And how could she, a sinful person, having inherited original sin from Adam, even as you and I, how could she bring forth a holy child? There was one way. And it was God's way that she as a virgin, this was the answer. Why God chose the virgin birth, I don't know. But I do know this, that it's the virgin birth that assures you and me that this child was born without sin. And when you and I can hold fast to the truth of his deity and we shall hold fast to the truth of the virgin birth, then we're ready for Christmas because then we've got, uh, we've got a Savior who's big enough to be the Savior. He was God. And we've got one who was pure enough to be the Savior. When we do away with the virgin birth and we've got a sinful child, just as you and I were born in sin, but he was born of the virgin. This was God's way to start the human race over again because this was no less than Emmanuel. He was God with us in human form. He was no less than God as a human being. God as, again, a man. This is the great mystery of Christmas. And when we say to ourselves this morning, we're getting ready for Christmas, oh, what child is this? Why, Isaiah says he's no less than Emmanuel. This is no less than God with us in human form. God manifested in the flesh. This is God who became a man, a human being, worthy of our love and loyalty. We may say, uh, what's he doing for me now? You say he's gone all out. He has failed in nothing. He has thought of everything. Isaiah would remind you and me in the second place that this child is no less than Emmanuel. He's no less than both God and man who went back to heaven and who rules in heaven with absolute authority over all things in heaven and in earth for you and me, not only as God, but also as man. You know, when Jesus died on the cross on Good Friday, he went to heaven, but he left his body, didn't he? But oh, when 40 days after Easter he returned to heaven on that ascension day on the Mount of Olives, do you remember there was something different that when he went, he went as a human being, his body went along with him. He went to heaven as Emmanuel. He went to heaven to sit at the right hand of God like he had never sat there in authority before. He was there as God. But now on ascension day he went also in the addition as man. What does that mean to you and me? Listen, as God, he rules over heaven and earth, and he rules over Satan and the forces of hell. He rules over every adversity in your life and mine as man, besides as God. He rules as God. Oh, he controls. We say, what about this Satan being bound for a thousand years? Bear in mind that Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John never said anything about coming back and ruling on this earth for a thousand years, not one word. And therefore, on the basis of Scripture, a better translation of this, a thousand years is this. He came the first advent and went to heaven as God and man. He has Satan under his control with a chain, Satan, because this is the time of choice. 
the thousand years, the time between the first advent and the second advent, and he on the throne, he who is Emmanuel, who is God as well as man, he controls Satan so that again he is not out of bounds in spite of the things that come in this world. And he's not out of bounds in your life and mine, but he rules as man. Does that mean anything? You and I may say, how does he know my needs? How does he know how I feel? He is God. You may say, oh, as God, he's so far removed from me. How can he understand me? But he said, wait a minute, child. Don't forget I'm a man on the throne. You think I don't understand? You mean that I don't understand what your problems are and your sorrows and your heartaches? You mean that I was down on earth for 33 years for nothing? You mean that I don't know what it is not to have a home and the birds of the air, again, they have nests and foxes have holes and I didn't have a place to lay my head? You mean to tell me I don't know what adversity is when they platted a crown of thorns and beat it on my head? You mean to tell me I don't know what it's all about when they scourged me and my back was just simply one great big mass of holes and blood? You mean to tell me I don't know what it means when they spit in my face? You mean to tell me that I am not touched with the feeling of your infirmity? You mean that I don't know what it means to have nails driven through my hands and through my feet? You mean to say that I am so far removed from you that I don't understand I would have you know that I am a man on the throne as well as God. And he would have you and me know that nothing therefore comes into your life except by his permission. Nothing happens. There isn't any luck. There isn't any fate whereby something comes. And he assures you and me that he's worthy of our loyalty, that he's gone all out. Because he says, I will overrule every adversity that I allow, every sorrow, every heartache that I allow in your life. I will overrule it that it will help you in your heavenward journey. You and I may say, you mean he will reverse all the sorrows of life that they become blessings? And Jesus said, did you ever stand at my cross? Did you ever know that not only did I die for you, but I died the most shameful and disgraceful death that a human being could die? The most shameful and absolutely ignominious way to put a man to death was the cross. And oh, how he has reversed that, that that cross that was a horrible, terrible way to die, it's become the symbol of beauty and grace and the hope of the world. And he says, as a man, as well as God in your life, I will overrule every adversity, every heartache, that it will work for your heavenward journey. It will enlarge your capacity. It will give you patience and strength. I challenge you, what more could he do than he does now? Let's don't forget when we get ready to go to Bethlehem that again, the one on the throne, he is Emmanuel. Yes, he's God. But oh, don't you forget that he's God with us as a human being. He understands, and therefore you and I ought to say, if we surrendered and committed ourselves to him, we ought to show that commitment in the sense of appreciation of that safety and that security that we have, because there's a man on the throne as well as God. He understands. I was touched with the feeling of your infirmities, he tells us. I sat where you sat. I understand. When you and I can say, oh, that sense of security that I have in him, I'm going to show it in my appreciation. This is Christmas time. If there's ever a time that you and I ought to say I'm committed to him, I want to show my love and my appreciation in my concern for my fellow man. It does your heart good, doesn't it, to see, again, how we open up and we say, I, I want to give, I want to help, I want to share, there is something I can do. Oh, we talk about, again, uh, peanut pushers. It's a lot of fun, isn't it, and riding in the bathtub. But we've gotten into a Christmas spirit. We have said what? That no one in the county shall go without 
the blessed things of Christmas because we want to give. And this, this is it, isn't it? We want to show our love. We want to show we're concerned because there's a man on the throne who is concerned about you and me. And then we're ready for Christmas, aren't we? Because we can say, when we have found the joy of giving, giving of ourselves and of sharing and becoming involved in the needs of others, then we say to ourselves, a bit of Christmas has gone out. A bit of this Christ, this great Emmanuel, it radiates from us even though people may not appreciate it. Oh, sometimes, you know, we wait and say, do they appreciate it? Look at Jesus. Did his own people appreciate him coming when he was born in Bethlehem? Oh, we read the tragic story, don't we? And he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And oh, how he's blessed Israel, given them a nation, again, given them back part of Palestine, which was theirs, growing as a nation, and still today, they deny that he was their Emmanuel. It's sad, it's tragic that his own people, chosen of God, even as we get ready to celebrate Christmas, they know him not, but he still blesses them. What's the difference? It only hurts for a little while that people don't appreciate. Nevertheless, what concern we can have for our fellow men, the joy of giving, getting ready for Christmas, that we've done something for Christ. And oh, on this fourth Sunday in Advent, we say to ourselves, what child is this? And Isaiah, the great evangelical prophet, said, why, he is no less than Emmanuel. He is Elohim, Emmanuel. He's God with us in human form. He is both God and man. Don't you realize? He is not only God, but he's man. He's man as well as God. He's worthy. And you and I say, well, what's he going to do for me in the future? And Isaiah would remind you and me that this child is no less than Emmanuel. He is both God and man who's going to come again to make all things new. He's coming again as God and man to make all things new for you and me. You and I may say, I wonder what it's going to be like when he comes to create new heavens and a new earth. Do you realize that when he comes to create new heavens and earth, he's going to come as Emmanuel? He's going to come as God, all power to do all things. But as a man, what does that mean? He's going to come as a man. He's going to come as a man. That means that when he creates all things new, as a man, he's going to make things that he knows men who love him like. You talk about Christmas. When I used to come to Cap University, I used to take a train out of Union Station in St. Louis, and I came to Columbus. That was the only way. No one ever dreamed of owning an automobile when I was in school. You were doing good to be there, and I didn't get home till Christmas. But when the time came to go home, I knew this, that my mother would have everything that I liked. She would think of things that she knew that I liked that I had forgotten. In that Christmas vacation, anything that she ever remembered that I as a child, that I liked was there. When Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, that means especially for you and me. In the new heavens and the new earth, he as a man says, I know what you like. He happens to know that I like animals. I like dogs. And it's not beyond the realm of probability that in the new heavens and the new earth that there will be some laddies and some pumpkins around because I love animals. One of you sent me a Christmas card, deeply touched me, and you said, again, on the front of it, animals, and inside it says, thanks, Reverend, for remembering us in your sermons, too, signed the animals. Yeah, they're God's gift. If in his first creation, before sin came, there were animals, 
Oh, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that there will be animals because he knows some of us love them too as well as human beings. He, he knows our likes and therefore again he's gone all out because when he comes he's going to come not only as God but as man. So we'll feel at home. So we'll feel wanted. Oh, if he was just the eternal spirit in heaven without his body and we'd look and we'd see 10,000 times 10,000 angels who don't have bodies. And we'd see 100 million angels and you and I with our bodies. Maybe we wouldn't feel at home. We'd say, uh, this is not the place for me. This is a spirit world. But oh, when he comes and creates the new heavens and the new earth, here's Emmanuel. He's going to have his body. And the prince, you see, those places of honor, those five wounds. When we're going to look at him, we're going to say, oh, I feel at home. We're going to feel right at home. We're going to feel wanted because when he became a human being at Christmas, he entered into a union that is eternal. He will be a human being throughout all eternity. Do you know of any greater joy than to be wanted? Do you know of any greater tragedy not to be? I have wives come to me and say, I'm no longer wanted horrible it's tragic i have husbands come to me and say i'm no longer wanted as a husband by my wife and then tragedy of tragedies i have kids come to me and sit in my office and cry and say mother and dad don't love me anymore they don't want me this is the tragedy of i have ministers come to me and say my congregation doesn't love me they don't want me anymore oh if you're sitting in church and you don't feel at home it's horrible, isn't it? It's terrible. Not to feel wanted, not to feel loved. Let me tell you this. That when he comes again, he's a man. He's going to come as a human being. You and I are going to feel wanted. We're going to feel loved. We're going to feel at home. That's who he is, and therefore we ought to say this. We're getting ready for Christmas. Oh, God, then, we have to, I'm going to surrender to him this morning. I'm giving him my life, my all, my allegiance. I'll repent of my sins, and I'll ask him to live in my heart. And then you and I can do it like Isaiah. That's what he did. You say, how was Isaiah? You say, well, Isaiah saw this 700 years before it came to pass. He's Emmanuel. Why, this child is God, and he's man. Oh, Isaiah met with a tragic end. He lived in the days of the southern kingdom before the northern kingdom was destroyed and he had to prophesy that because of wickedness the northern kingdom was going to be destroyed and so they took Isaiah and they tied him between two big planks lengthwise and then they took a saw. So tradition tells us and they sawed him up in bits. The Talmud translation and the, again the book of tradition tells us he lost his life. This great prophet of the Old Testament, the good news prophet, you and I may say, oh, I've got to believe in him. I've got to embrace him. Then we're ready for Christmas because, oh, we've got the joy. And we've got the peace of Christmas. Do you realize that because he's Emmanuel, he's thought of everything? How about the Lord's Supper that you can have this morning? Do you realize if he wasn't a man, there wouldn't be any Lord's Supper? But in order to comfort you and me and our weak faith, when we would say, oh, oh if I only could be sure I'm saved. I've got a weak faith. I'm a great sinner. Oh, what assurance. Why, Emmanuel thought of everything. He was God and man. He said, here, by means of lowly bread and wine, I'll give you my body and my blood. These two tremendous erasers 
the one the dry one and the one a wet one he says by just as certain as you get your body and blood you know this that this will wash off of your soul and erase from your soul every remnant of guilt and punishment that you can stand before me today holy and spotless and you can be assured of it he's thought of everything you see he knows that your faith and mine is so tremendously weak but at times we wonder, has he really forgiven me? Am I really saved? And here he says, I'm Emmanuel. I'm a man. I'm giving you my body and my blood. This is just as certain if you come and you're sorry for your sins. Then you and I can say, when he comes again, he's coming again soon. He's going to bring an end to all the tears and all the troubles. We're ready for Christmas. This is Advent. We've had four Sundays and I hope we're all ready now. To remind ourselves again, it's beautiful in our church. Here are the three windows, aren't they? We've been talking about them. Are we ready? What child is this? This window to your right says, this child is no less than the prophet, like Moses. The center one says, why, this child is no less than the high priest over the house of God. And the one there to your left says, this child is no less than the king of an everlasting kingdom. And Emmanuel, by the name of this congregation, God with us in human form. We're ready now. We're, we're going to Bethlehem. We're going down to Bethlehem. The next stop is again the manger. Are you ready to go along? But oh, some of us may say this morning, oh, oh I can't go, preacher. I can't go faster. Uh, I can't celebrate Christmas. I've got too many tears and too many heartaches. And I've got too many troubles. Oh, listen, we're going to walk to Bethlehem. We're going down to see Emmanuel who is God and who's man. He's done everything. Oh, he says, dry your tears. Come on and smile. He's the one who, when he comes again, there won't be any more tears. I don't care what your troubles and what your sorrows. Let's keep Christmas. Come on and join us. Our next stop is Bethlehem. And as we go down, you may say, oh, I'm too full of care to sing. Oh, just wipe those tears away and smile through those tears. We're going to sing we're on the way down to Bethlehem, though. What more appropriate songs we're going now to Christmas Eve to sing beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of Man. That's Emmanuel. That's where you get that. Son of God, Son of Man, Emmanuel Elohim. That's where it comes in that beautiful song. Truly I'd love thee, truly I'd serve thee. Light of my soul, my joy, my crown. You dry your tears, mom, dad, sister, and brother. Come on and join us. Sing on the glory road. We're heading for Bethlehem. May yours be a Merry Christmas. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.